1: Sure, so just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com, or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today.
0: Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 32, Gog and Magog, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Well, hello again, and welcome, everybody, to Bible Mysteries, the podcast that teaches you the things the world doesn't want you to know. They're in the Bible. How are you, Zena?
2: I'm good. How about yourself?
0: Doing fine, thanks. I'm here with Zena. I'm Scott Mitchell. And don't forget, folks, that we are um, uh, sponsored by utbnow.com. That's our website Anything you want to know about the podcast, about our online studies, you can listen to the audio lessons, even our live online study that people can join us on Wednesday nights. Uh, you can all access right there, UTB Now. That's short for UnlockTheBibleNow.com. So, Zena, we're going to get into some fun things today.
2: How fun are we talking?
0: We're talking so much fun (laughs) that it shouldn't be allowed. (laughs) Gog and Magog. That is a a term from the Bible that we were discussing earlier. Some names uh, that we're going to delve into, but it's part of a prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. And it's a big mystery to a lot of Christians. And number one, because sometimes it's just not taught Mm -hmm. about in the scripture. A lot of Christianity sort of treats the Old Testament like, oh, that was then, this is now. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the New Testament was written 2,000 years ago.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's still pretty old.
0: Still pretty old. But I guess that's better than 3,500 years ago, right?
2: You have a point there.
0: But the the things in the the Old Testament are fulfilled still in future events. Much was fulfilled in the life, ministry, and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Because much of the Bible uh, in the prophets is about that event. But there's more to it than that because there's also his coming kingdom. And that's prophesied as well, both in the Old and the New Testament. And so we've spoken before about how the Israel of God that is going to be restored someday in their land is currently not visible to the world, at least obvious to most of us. Okay. There's a modern nation Israel, and some Christians and even Orthodox Jewish people think that that's going to be the people that God will restore. And it may well be. I don't know for sure who is going to be the people of God. And the main reason I kind of reserve judgment on that, which is not to say I don't want it to be modern Israel, I'd love it if it was. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't make any difference to me if it was them or some other group. God knows who his people are, and he knows who they will be. But I wonder about, does he want the world, and in particular Satan, to know who they are going to be? no you know and i would think probably not so we're going to we're going to finally get into that little mystery secret i've been teasing you about
2: i know about the
0: treasure hit in the field today but we're going to start we may not get to it today but we're going to get to it in this series if it takes more than one episode okay so this is our 32nd episode
2: wowzers <laughs>
0: <laughs> and oh by the way when i checked last uh, 10,800 plus subscribers.
2: Well, thank you guys. That's a lot of listeners.
0: Amen. Thank you. And it's so almost 11,000 and really in just seven to less than eight sh- short months. So we're really appreciative of y'all yes. tuning in. I still feel like a lot of it has to do with you, Zena, because people love you.
2: Yeah, They yeah, write me yeah, all yeah. the time. <laughs> it's all because of you, because you're out here taking your time to educate people.
0: Well, it's, a, it's truly a joy, but I'll tell you, your input is so invaluable because I know that people listening are thinking like you do. Wait a minute, what did he say? And you'll go, wait a minute, what did you say? <laughs> and they will you know, you're following up for them. Since mm-hmm. it's not a call-in show, we can't easily do right. that. So you are so important to this. Well, thank you. You are so welcome. So we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel today, okay. chapter 38, and we're going to start reading in verse 1 just so we can get some names, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time today investigating some of these names so we can sort of get a better understanding of what is going on here because this is a very mysterious section of the Bible. Okay. So verse one says, and the word of the Lord came unto me, the prophet Ezekiel, saying, son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So, right off the bat, we're seeing there's a prophecy against this person, Gog. Yes. And we learn some things about him. He's, the land is called Magog.
2: Okay, so Uh, that's like not his brother. Right.
0: And a lot of people think, even historically, there's, you can look it up. If you Googled Gog and Magog, you're going to find. Images of these two rough looking men mm-hmm. from mythology of Greece or the, uh, the Arabs or the Muslims or whoever. You can go back and see all kinds of stuff about they think he's two people. Okay. But Magog is actually the land of Gog. And that's literally okay. what it means Magog, the land of Gog. <laughs> so Gog is the person. Okay. And we know he's the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Now, Meshech and Tubal, we're going to learn, are also people. Okay. But you might recall that we've talked about angels being called principalities and princes. Yes. I have a strong feeling that Gog is a satanic angel, not a person. Okay. Not a person, but he's the prince. Just as we saw, there was a prince of Persia that Daniel's angel Gabriel had to fight with. Mm -hmm. And the prince of Grisha would come. And we know that those were angels fighting angels. So Gog is probably an angelic fallen being of some kind.
2: So you're thinking he's one of like... Morning stars that like fell
0: yes, with Satan yes exactly just like Job talked about when the morning star sang for joy when God created the heaven mm-hmm. and the earth and by the way that goes back to the very first episode we did so your memory is fantastic thanks I'm trying <laughs> and, uh, and also the fact that that's still one of our most popular episodes of all time so people uh, learning that there was an entire civilization of angels on this planet before yes. God even made man is a real eye opener for a lot of people mm-hmm. so these princes have been around a long long time I know time. God it must be really, really old. <laughs> he is thousands of years old, if not longer. So now we're, we're introducing ourselves to some names. And then what we're going to find out, if we go down to verse 4, it says, And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And suddenly we got some nation names that seem familiar to us. Mm-hmm. Persia, modern-day Iran. Mm-hmm. Ethiopia is still Ethiopia. Libya is still Libya. You know, they're still the same name. And then Gomer and all his bands. Uh, Gomer <laughs> sounds like a marine comedy show. Remember Gomer Pyle?
2: Yeah, or even a dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or a dog. But Gomer is actually, we're going to find out, a, a region of uh, a part of the world. And we're going to find out that all these nations sort of started from Ararat and Turkey. Okay. Because that's where the Ark settled. And we'll get to that when we go to Genesis here soon. But he says, Gomer and all his bands, and bands is like the idea of bands of military people. And not like a marching band, but actually, you know, weapons. The house of Tagarma of the North Quarters and all his bands... And many people with thee. So, what we see is he's prophesying against Gog, the prince from the land of Magog, but he's the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And he's going to have an army comprised of many people, including other nations such as Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, and Togarma. So, we got to go dig into these names and figure out who are these people and where do they come from and what are they doing? What is their aim? And ultimately, we're going to find out they're going to attack Israel. Okay. It's a future event. It hasn't happened yet. There are some people that think it has already occurred historically, but when we read everything in these two chapters, all the verses that we're going to cover, which is chapter 38 and chapter 39 of Ezekiel, you're going to find out there's been no event in history that even matches this army and this invasion okay so there's much dispute as to who these people are or what he is or which the land is so we're going to do our best in the first portion of this series which I'm hoping it might be two parts it could be three But we're going to try to dissect who they are by going all the way back to the beginning of when their names were first mentioned. Okay. And sometimes it's good. Remember we talked about how names, like your name is a cool name and it must mean something. Mm-hmm. And uh, mine's kind of boring because it just means a guy from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but names mean things. Like William is a name that literally means conqueror. Mm-hmm. You know, even in any language, it's still the same. So, names and their meanings are important in the Bible because they usually set the stage for what's going to happen later. Yes. Right?
2: Now, on to the Magog, not Magog, Gog. The people that you had mentioned in the verses that you're reading, are they going against Gog or they're working with Gog to conquer Israel?
0: Yeah, good question. They're working with him. Okay. They're going to be part of the invasion. So it's like, for lack of, for a modern term, we would say a coalition force. Okay. You know, several nations going against Israel. Now, nations have attacked Israel in the past, and mm-hmm. I mean modern Israel. So from 1948, essentially, they, became a, they, they, they achieved statehood again after World War II. Okay. So they've been recognized as the nation Israel since 1948. Okay. And there's always been people opposed to that, and they've been attacked by Egypt. They've been attacked by, um, I want to say, um, Jordan and Syria in the past. And they still are surrounded by enemies, mm-hmm. you know. Which is probably why they have such strict security, yeah. you know, and things like that. Understandably so. They're still vilified in the world today. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that a coalition of nations would attack them, right? Because it's the land. To me, it's not the people necessarily. It's it's not just that the world is viewed viewing Israel in a in the lens of what some would call anti-Semitism. Okay, that's part of it. There's other historical reasons why they are opposed to it. But most of all, from my perspective, it's Satan wants that land. Okay. He wants that land. So it it wouldn't make much difference who God's people are. I mean, it matters to them, of course. Yes. But if, if it was a completely different ethnicity of people they would still hate them because they want the land. Yes. Right? So it's not it has nothing to do with their culture or the color of their skin or their religious beliefs mm-hmm. necessarily. They all factor in, but what Satan wants is that mountain Jerusalem because he wants to be God. And that's, that's where the throne of God is, right? So since God promised that land to his people, then he hates God's people because they oh, he wants Satan. that land. <laughs> He's something else. So Gog is after that. Now, we're going to find out, in his case, the motive might be something more than just, I want that land because I want the throne for my master, Satan. He's like any individual. A person can have personal motivations for why they do what they do. And since we've already learned that the love of money is the root of all evil, we're going to find out Gog is motivated by money. He wants the wealth, right?
2: My goodness, Gog. Just work for it.
0: So the name Gog, the very word Gog in Hebrew, it means mountain. Okay. And that's gonna come into play as maybe figuring out why he's called Gog. Because it has a lot of it has to do with the the mountains of eastern Turkey. Okay. Okay. And there's more than one range there, but there's one range you'll be familiar with, and it's they're called the Caucasus. And they kinda of separate Turkey from the country Georgia, not the state. <laughs> <laughs> we don't sing songs about that, Georgia, no, right? No, we don't. Ray Charles wasn't <laughs> talking about that, Georgia. But, uh, but the, the Caucasus Mountains are historically where the term Caucasian comes from. Okay. So it's believed that one of the sons of Noah, his descendants, went from that region kind of north, and therefore the, the, um, the region and whatever led to whatever dominant and recessive genetic traits that came through. Mm-hmm. So you would have had more of the lighter skin, you know, red hair, freckles blue eyes whatever became dominant where people that traveled in a a more southerly region Mm -hmm. other dominant traits would have appeared whether it was brown olive skin dark skin black skin brown skin yellow skin as they went east or south all those traits came out probably mostly due to geography and other factors too
1: so
2: now when you say gog equals mountain do you think gog was a giant
0: You know, that's a great question and he could be, you know, because we talked about he's a prince and he could be one of the fallen angels Mm -hmm. or he could also be a hybrid as the Nephilim were, you know, and, and that's a, it's a really interesting point you bring up because at some point we're going to get into genetic manipulation again that's going on now. In fact, uh, fingers crossed, I'm working um, right now with coordinating with the the radio show Coast to Coast again to do another interview.
2: Oh, exciting.
0: Yeah, they're going to possibly have me on within the next two weeks. And that's one of the things I want to talk about, those genetic traits. Okay. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because that's a good talking point I can throw in there. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's possible God could be a hybrid that's formed from human-angel genetic manipulation. Okay. I even read a thing today in the news about they uh, successfully formed a genetic-human-monkey hybrid. I know. Planet of the Apes, right? Ooh, that's <laughs> it's kind of not scary. good. You need to listen to Charlton Heston when he says <laughs> not to do this. Right. But I think what their their aim is to try to help a monkey grow organs that are more compatible with human beings for transplants and things like that. But I still feel like something's not right about that.
2: I don't know. I don't think you should uh, be manipulating DNA, with things that, yeah, that don't, we're just humans and they're monkeys and Let's I don't think we that. should
0: intermingle us. Exactly. Well, I think that um, that's the path to open up to what could ultimately end up being these hybrids like Gog, if, if he's a hybrid. Yeah. You know, aliens are eventually, when, when I say aliens, I really mean the fallen angels. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to eventually appear as aliens and say, we have advanced technology for you. And one of them is probably going to be, we can alter your DNA so you can become like us, like yes. gods which is what Adam and Eve were tempted with from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So I think it's very credible what you said, that the possibility is, is high that he could, he could just be a man, but the name is Mountain. Right. He could be a hybrid and therefore possibly a giant, or he could simply be a fallen angel. And he, he manifests himself or leads human beings, and maybe there's a person mm-hmm. that is led by him that is the Gog of this Scripture.
2: Now, with that being stated, Mm -hmm. for my viewers out Mm -hmm. there, write down or comment down below what you think Gog is. Do you think he's just a human? Do you think he is a hybrid? Or do you think that he is a giant? We want you guys to engage with us so we can figure out what you're learning from our podcast.
0: That is an excellent idea. And by the way, you just reminded me of something that my wife and I were talking about. We want to plan to have a day when you and I will do sort of like a live Facebook thing, Ooh, that you know, be and, have, and you guys call in or not call in, but I guess text in yeah. with the questions <laughs> and maybe Sandy can field them. My wife, Sandy, mm-hmm. she can field them and so filter out the crazy ones, you right? Know? Like no,
2: no, no, make no. sure they're
0: legitimate questions and then we can take those and you can, yes. you can read them out and we'll, we'll, we'll address them. So be thinking about questions that you have folks, because they could all turn into great topics for later podcasts. Yes, that is very true. So great idea. So um, the prince of Magog is, could be a fallen angel, probably, but it could also be a Nephilim, like you said. And then Magog literally means the land of God, but it's okay. it's also, the word shows up in the New Testament one time, even though this is from the Old Testament, but it shows up in the New Testament one time, and it means overtopping or covering. And it's sort of almost like it, it's going to swarm and fill the land, oh. you know, almost like, a, like bees, you know, taking over. <sighs> that does not sound fun. And I think that's all a part of what this prophecy is about, that when they come to invade, they're going to sort of like swarm into the land. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, they won't succeed. God's going to intervene miraculously here. But let's look at some of these other names. We go all the way back to the first time that some of these names have ever been mentioned, and that'll be Genesis chapter 8. And Genesis 8 is really just to set the stage for people to understand what happened. We all know about the flood of Noah, and the flood was on the earth. It rained 40 days, 40 nights. The waters took about a year or so to recede. And when the the ark finally came to rest, it came to rest here, according to verse uh, 4, it says, uh, And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. Now, Ararat is in eastern Turkey, uh, part part of Turkey and part of a country known as Armenia. Okay. okay, so it's in it's considered just north of the Middle East, but maybe it's still technically part of the Middle East. And essentially, the families, uh, the family of Noah, he and his wife, and he only had the three sons. The Bible doesn't indicate that he and Noah and his wife had any other children. So it would have been the wives of the sons of Noah that bore the rest of the children that became the people that we are now. Mm-hmm. They repopulated the earth from three families. Okay. okay. And so it would have started in Ararat. So, really, civilization began again in the mountains of Ararat, you know? Or when they came down, they started to travel as the water receded and they went to where the drier areas were and they decided, okay, we'll build a culture here, we'll build a city here, and that's where everything kind of took off. Okay. Okay. Now, all that would have been before God scattered the languages. So, they would have spoken the same language at the time. Now, Ararat literally means. The curse reversed.
2: How so? Yeah,
0: uh, because the curse of man being so wicked with the fallen angels in Genesis 6 caused God to repent that he made man on the earth, so he flooded it and destroyed it. Okay. So he smote the earth with a curse, and now he's... Reversing it, he's saying, "Okay, I'm, I'm no longer." And incidentally, the ground had been cursed because of the sin of Adam and Eve, so that it didn't yield forth its strength. So they had to work from the sweat of their brow, you know, to eat their food. Mm-hmm. And God lifted the curse on the earth itself from that point, so that we see the the world today is can be very bountiful, you know, with uh, rain and greenery and things like that. And we still have thorns and mosquitoes and stuff. Yes, I don't we like. do. <laughs> But the earth can yield forth their strength. It goes through times of famine and drought and things Mm -hmm. like that. But for the most part, somewhere in the world, there's plenty. And it's because the curse has been lifted. Okay. So it's in eastern Turkey or Armenia, which is south of the Caucasus Mountains. So there's really two ranges, and I don't know the name of both of them. Ararat is in a smaller mountain range and they could be known as the lesser Caucasus, but there's the greater Caucasus just to the north of that. So it's a very mountainous region in that area of the world. There's a map that, of course, our listeners can't see, but uh, what we're showing is just sort of a little composite zoomed in on the area that would be known as the Middle East. And I'm pointing out to Zena that here's Turkey, which in the Bible was known as Asia. Even though this is all Asia over here, to the east of that today, this was considered Asia and also known as Asia Minor okay. at the time, at the time of Christ. See, there's Israel, okay? Even though that's not the full land that it will be someday, it's gonna cover this whole region. But that little strip right there is Israel because these are modern maps. So there's Armenia, the little yellow color thing. And so the white line separating Turkey and Armenia is where one row of mountains are and Ararat's in Ararat's and that row. And then just to the north of Turkey and Armenia is Georgia. And then where Georgia borders Russia, this gray area is Russia, Mm -hmm. those are the Caucasus mountains as well. Okay. So you've got two mountain ranges that basically define those borders because, hey, if you're trying to climb a mountain, (laughs) they're hard to do. Yes. So they become borders for countries because it's almost like a a natural barrier. Yeah. You know, hey, keep these people out because they're mountains. They're Mm -hmm. hard to travel. So that's where some of those borders come from. Anytime you see crazy, crooked lines in a map instead of a straight line, that border was usually defined not by um, longitude and latitude or treaties or something, but by some sort of geographical region, either a river or a mountain. Okay. So those crazy crooked lines there are, use, are either rivers or mountains, you know. Lots of mountains. Yeah, lots of mountains. <laughs> so that's just to give our listeners some idea. You can all look these up. If you just pull up a map of Turkey or something or um, the Middle East, you'll see these borders and you can look up these mountains. So this is where the world's population began again, right here. Wow. So we're going to start to see those first humans and their names, the sons of Noah. Okay. Right? So we go to Genesis chapter 10. And verse 1 says, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, those are the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And traditionally speaking, Shem would have been the progenitor of Semitic people. Hence, the term Semite is a Shemite.
2: So what is a Semitic person?
0: Somebody from Shem. Okay. Yeah. So their lineage could be traced back. Now, when you start looking at their culture and their features, you know they're the olive-skinned, brown-skinned people. Uh, Jesus was a Semite. Okay. Mediterranean peoples are, are largely Semitic to some extent. Okay. Except for the ones that were from Japheth. Okay. So Greece, Rome, they were Japhetic people, okay. and then of course the Mediterranean, also as uh, coast as on Northern Africa. And some of those tribes came from Ham, which ultimately became Egypt, Libya. Oh, I'm missing one of those countries up there, Algeria, and Sudan. Okay. okay. So these were, um, these were people that would have also, they, they have similar cultures because it was the same kind of food, you know. <laughs> Mediterranean food is wonderful. Uh, all these kind of things, same climate, same temperature, everything else. But some of the genetics... Filtered into different traits, mm-hmm. different physical traits, different eye color, hair color, whatever. So he starts with Japheth because he's the eldest. Okay. So in in actuality, the the order of the sons were uh, the firstborn was Japheth, Shem was the secondborn, and Ham was the youngest. But they always list them with Shem first, <laughs> and I think that has to do with the fact that Israel came from Shem. Okay. And Israel being God's people, they had sort of a priority thing there. Mm-hmm. So, the sons of Japheth are, and here's the names, Gomer, we've already read about him, Ooh, and Magog. Magog was a person. That's now, isn't so that something? ironic. It was a person that lived far before Gog appears. Okay. Right? But he's, uh, he's a son of Japheth, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiras. So we read Tubal and Meshech in the Ezekiel Prophecy. Yes. And we read of Magog, but we didn't read, we, oh, we also read of Domer, mm-hmm. but we didn't read of Medai and Javan and Tiras. Yes. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important.
1: There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know.
0: And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out.
1: Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak.
0: This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down.
1: We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full time with Bible Mysteries.
0: Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech.
1: And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax-deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show.
0: Okay, so they, however, maybe they were there, and they just have different names. Okay,
2: I hope not. I can barely remember those names.
0: Exactly. Well, there's going to be a quiz at the end. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the sons of Gomer... The firstborn of Japheth, mm-hmm. because he's listed first, are Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarmah.
2: I've heard the Ashkenaz
0: before. Yeah, Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarmah. Togarmah was mentioned in the prophecy of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the sons of Javan, or yavon I guess it would be in Hebrew, Elisha and Tarshish, Kittim and Dodanim. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue After their families and their nations. So it's interesting that from these men, sons, because there were daughters too, but Mm -hmm. the sons are listed there, came the nations that became known as the Gentiles. Okay. You know? Now they list Ham's sons and they became great nations too. He does the same thing there. But none of those were mentioned in the prophecy except for Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. because I think uh, one of the sons of Ham was Cush, and he became Ethiopia. Okay. Another son was Mizraim, and he became Egypt. And another son was Put, and he became Libya. Now,
2: why were their names changed?
0: Probably has something to do with the languages. Okay. Get being scattered, right? Because at this point they would have all spoke the same language. Mm-hmm. And These three brothers would have all spoke the same language. Yeah. And you can assume that their kids did too. So the cousins played together, they spoke the same language. Mm-hmm. Then many years later when Nimrod comes along and the Tower of Babel that's when they were scattered. Okay. So even though the, the languages were changed, they, they're the same people. And when you trace the lineage of these countries, let's say Libya, and you go back to their own history they'll state, yes, the father of our nation was put okay. in the Hebrew, but in, in Libyan, it's another language or Arabic or whatever they speak, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So that's kind of a, that's a good question too, but that's kind of the reason for that. Now, Japheth means opened. The son of Noah, the eldest son means opened. His descendants after the flood settled on the coastal lands of the Mediterranean, spreading north into Europe and parts of Asia. So he became, it was more than just They're known as Aryan in some regions because of a certain geographic thing, not Aryans like Hitler's Aryans, right? Uh, The master race, you know, it's not like that at all. They were known as Aryan because of the region they came from. But the Caucasian people, because they came from the Caucasus Mountains, have as much variety of skin color as the Semitic people and as black people do. Mm-hmm. because you think about a black person they can be very light-skinned and they can be very dark-skinned yes when they're from africa they're usually much darker skin mm-hmm. when they're from america there's so much of a mixture we're such a heinz 57 yes. all of us you know so we have such a mixture so it's it's true with all of us like there are indian people that are as dark as any african
2: mm-hmm. but
0: they're considered caucasian Okay. Because the region they come from. Mm-hmm. So most of this ties into not necessarily ethnicity, but into regionality. Okay. And the way these guys started, these sons of Noah all started this thing. So it's not a matter of, you know, you, when you say to somebody, okay, he's Asian. Well, that could mean anything. Yes. Is he Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Thailand, Vietnamese? Uh, is he from the um, the uh, Pacific Islands? Mm-hmm. Some of them could have been, and they are like people in China are Caucasian too. You know, there's people to the western part of China, you know, and they might be called Yuguars or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever. And they actually are Muslim people in their religion, but okay. genetically they're from the Caucasus, from the same group of people there. Okay. So we're also mixed. It's not just this one <laughs> finite thing, you know. Right. Gomer means complete. I
2: wonder why that is.
0: Yeah, complete. And and it, it's interesting too that it's a it's a son, he's the first son of Japheth, but it's later used to describe a woman that Hosea marries who becomes a type of adulterous Israel. And so completion there might be like I've had enough. Okay. So it, it could be foreshadowing that. There were some people known as the Sumerians, and they kind of occupied the steppes, which is like what you and I would think of as like Siberia, Mongolia all that region there. And they were very fierce nomadic people. So they, uh, they are supposedly from Gomer. Okay. Medai means middle land. And the Persians claim. Okay. Yeah, the Persians are the Medes. And we've seen the Medes in, in, the, uh, in the other scriptures as well. Yavon or Javan is, means Ionia and it's Greece. Okay. So the father of Greece is Javan, one of the sons of Japheth. To Baal, means thou shalt be brought. And remember, we're going to read in these scriptures in Ezekiel that I'm going to bring you forth to attack Israel, you know. And some say it's Cappadocia. They're not 100% agreement in all these things because historically we're going back thousands of years. Yeah. So we don't know with 100% accuracy, but Mm -hmm. we get the idea based upon the regions. Meshech means a drawing out and... We're gonna, y'all put hook in your jaw and draw you out. Okay, I was
2: like, like they're literally drawing?
0: (laughs) Uh, To draw like you would draw water from a well. You tie a bucket to a rope and you lower it down and you draw it up. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's like, imagine hooking a fish and trying to land it. I'm gonna draw you out of the river. And some people think that's the modern day Armenia, you know, which ultimately was another country at some point in the past. It would have been a much bigger empire, Mm -hmm. but now it's this little country called Armenia. Taras means desire. Some people say that's Thracia, which is an old empire that no longer exists, but it's the southern Balkans. So all part of the same area. All of these countries touch on the same essential areas of the Caucasus Mountains or the mountains of Ararat. Mm-hmm. and essentially they they just wandered north south east west whatever wherever the fertile land was <laughs> wherever they could raise families yeah. grow crops keep cattle things like that and notice in verse three it says the sons of gomer were ashkenaz rifath and togarma and those names ashkenaz means sprinkled or scattered like fire and it's considered to be northern te- Turkey, and some people think, including some Jews, Jewish people, modern Jewish people, think that they are perhaps the ancestors of Germans. Okay. So Ashkenaz could have been the progenitors of the Germanic peoples. We don't know, again, with 100% certainty. Repha means spoken, and they people that also think they might have been the Sumerians too. Okay. Think, well, how can two people be the same group? Well, they kind of merge sometimes. Yeah. And then Togarma means thou wilt break her. And there's agreement that that's essentially Turkey, what we would call modern Turkey and modern Armenia, but they border each other, so they they could have spread across that thing.
2: Do you mind elaborating on the "thou wilt break her"?
0: Yeah. So it makes makes it interesting if you start looking back at all these names and what they mean: mountain, scattered, bring, draw you forth, yeah, desire, spoken, and thou wilt break her. I'm thinking Israel is the she, is the her, and this is like all in their names alone is the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 and 39. We find those same names are the coalition force that decides, I desire to go take a spoil from Israel and break her, and we're going to invade that land, and we're going to spread all over her.
2: That's right, because God is practically married to Israel. And
0: we're going to come down from the mountains of the north. Okay. Right? And so I think it's all a picture of that prophecy. Because what's interesting is we're about to read when we go back to the prophecy, when he says, "Uh, and I speak about you, Gog. have not I foretold you of old time? And there's no prophecies about them in old time, Mm -hmm. but there are the names. Okay. The names prophesied. Of these countries and what their intent would be.
2: Okay.
0: Thousands and thousands of years <laughs> later. It's really fascinating. So let's go to that. Now, one of the ultimate things that's going to happen in Ezekiel, and remember, these two chapters that cover the entire prophecy, 38 and 39. And so we're going to jump ahead to a verse in chapter 39, because the key to this battle and what God does, because he wants the battle to happen because he's going to deliver Israel from them. Mm-hmm. And he says this in verse 22 of chapter 39 after it happens. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. Remember, we talk about God hiding his face from Israel right now. Mm -hmm. This is going to change that. At some point when this battle takes place, and we're going to back up to read the details of it. Okay. But when it takes place and God does what he's going to do and he delivers Israel, he's saying right here, when I do this, they're going to know. I'm their God and they're my people, okay. which means the relationship has been restored. What we've been hoping for all this yeah. time yeah. right, is finally going to come to pass. So we'll back up to chapter 38 again, because we want to go back and grab some of the details of the actual prophecy in battle. So we already read that uh, these names are going to be involved in this coalition. A great company, Bucklers and Shields, they're handling swords Which implies that perhaps this battle is really going to be a more primitive battle, Mm -hmm. which means the world would have to change dramatically. Yes. Because we've got automatic weapons and nuclear bombs and all this kind of thing. Oh, my goodness. But what if something (laughs) rendered all of that inoperable? Something like an electromagnetic pulse, for example, which takes out electrical devices completely, you know, computer chips, everything. The world would come to a standstill Yeah. if a nuclear bomb was launched in such a way that it detonated over the atmosphere, and it would take multiple of them to do this. Ooh, I just had a shiver. Of a thought right now, I've been reading in the news that um, U.S. and um, uh, Russia are rattling sabers again over Ukraine. Oh, goodness. And Ukraine is claiming they want to take Crimea and the Donbass region back from Russia. And so Russia started putting troops on the border. And Biden just said, President Biden just said, uh, uh, whatever Ukraine does, we're going to back them up. And Putin called his bluff and said, okay, I'll put more troops there. So we could be heading to a war. I just it just struck my thought. What if this is that war and we have nuclear weapons? And what if they detonated over the atmosphere and the EMP took out all electronics in both Goodness. countries then we'd be back to burning firewood yeah you know? you know
2: i feel like the u.s we need to we need to take a step back drink our water <laughs> and mind our own business i agree and with then you. let russia and ukraine handle their own thing i'm sorry i know that sounds so mean but like we have issues here in america that need to be settled and we should not be trying to fight other people's issues So i'm gonna drink my water not mind my, my business
0: you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but Russia's been vilified a lot in the last several years by the media mm-hmm. because they they blame them for everything. Russia, really, after the Soviet Union collapsed, they sort of became a a second rate nation, mm-hmm. and they're really no threat to anybody. Frankly, they don't they don't have communistic designs. They're not a communist nation anymore. They've got their problems just like we do. Believe me, mm-hmm. they're not. You know. Uh, blameless in yeah. anything, and I'm sure Putin's not a, a wonderful guy. But they have vastly advanced military power than we do. People think the United States military can can overcome anything. Yeah, Russia will eat our lunch. They have got weapons you would not believe that will take ours out in a heartbeat. And people don't understand that. They think, oh, we're invincible. American uh, arrogance. No. American <laughs> Do not fall for that, people. It is not that way. You do not want to get involved in a war with Russia because they have nothing to lose.
2: That means I move into Canada. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We might be moving north after all. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, out of that rabbit trail, my little commentary. Um, In verse 80 says, After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. And is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, spreading out, sprinkled. (laughs) Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee, all these nations. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass... That at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. Remember, Gog is the ringleader here. He's the one thinking all this. He's Mm -hmm. planning all this. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil, which means to rob them. Okay. Spoils like the spoils of war. You know, if you defeat a country and you rob them of all their goods, that's the spoil. To take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Wow, these verses say so much. Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish seem to imply Saudi Arabia, Sheba and Dedan. And so they're like the neighbors of Israel. Not so friendly necessarily, but neighbors. (laughs) And the ships of Tarshish almost implies Great Britain. Okay. Possibly. Or it could be, it could be Rome. But um, the indication is they sailed from afar. So it's like the Isles of the Gentiles. It's the, the nations that are much further away from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But isn't it interesting that he's talking about, Gog, you're going to bring your army against a people brought back from the sword that dwell safely in unwalled villages without bars or gates or walls. Now, modern Israel does not dwell that way. Okay. They've got a crackerjack fighting force military right now. There are walls everywhere, checkpoints everywhere. You know, um, it's very difficult to travel because you've got regions of Israel that are Palestinian regions by treaty and things like that, and they have to come into work, and they cross borders every day, and it's it's a mess. I mean, it's a mess from the standpoint of, like, individual freedom and liberty, but it's it's a necessary thing for the people of Israel to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. But are they dwelling safely without walls and bars and gates? Not, not today. So that's what makes me pause about saying right now is the time. You know, Right now, the modern Israel is the people that he's going to be dealing with. It could very well be, but what if something else happened that reduced every threat? Okay. Again, now I'm kind of going back to that shudder I had a moment ago of what if there was an EMP? And the threat of nuclear annihilation was removed. So they don't need these things anymore. Or maybe automatic, semi-automatic weapons no longer work or something like that. I'm not sure. And so then they, and it could be that a change will take place and the occupants of the land of Israel right now can start living safely and dwell safely. And then they're a sitting duck. Yeah. For Gog.
2: Oh. Now when it says brought back from the sword, Mm -hmm. are they referring to Jesus?
0: No, they're referring to God's punishment of them. He drove them out with the sword and scattered them among the nations because of their transgression. And that's going back to, it's the time of Jesus, because I believe that's the ultimate transgression that caused God to hide his face from them. And that's when they stumbled and fell. When we discussed the fall of Israel last week, that was, the, that was the thing. So you're right to tie it into Jesus in the sense that he was the prophesied Messiah that they rejected, the stumbling stone.
2: Yeah, because they wanted someone who was going to be like an
0: army general. Right. And he came in as a peaceful yes. uh, with, a, with a spiritual kingdom rather than mm-hmm. an empire to, to conquer Rome at the time. So the other thing that stands out to me is that he's coming to take a spoil, cattle and goods and silver and gold. So suddenly they're going to become a very wealthy nation. Something Again, and I'm not saying they don't have plenty of money, but we give a lot of money to help the, a lot of nations. Yes. And Israel's one of them. And so the U.S. Uh, supports them, uh, politically speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, a, to a large extent, some of their income too. But what if that dried up? You know, what if that wasn't there? Since we discussed mystery Babylon in the past, the mother of harlots being apostate Jerusalem, but she's extremely rich and all the merchants of the earth, there's a possibility that Jerusalem will become the financial center of the world in this change, in this whatever's going to happen that happens. And therefore, Gog sees the money. And that's why John Dillinger robbed banks, because that's where the money is, right? (laughs) So it could be something like that. So what we learned about it is it's going to happen in the latter days. And it okay. says after many days you're going to come in. So the many days is probably all this time that's transpired. Okay. So the latter days seem to be approaching. They're going to be brought back from the sword. They're dwelling safely. They, lived in, they live in unwalled villages. They're at rest with neither bars nor gates. And that's not the, the current uh, condition of the modern Israel right now. And they're in possession of much wealth or spoil. Therefore, it's an enticement for God to go in and take it. Okay. So that's the reason why they become the target of his aims here. Even though God has prophesied it would happen, he's still an individual that desires it for himself. Yes. Okay. So we go back to verse 14. Therefore, son of man, Ezekiel, prophesy and say unto Gog, thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? It's going to be known that there are no more balls and bars and gates and things like that. It's mm-hmm. going to be known they're they're vulnerable. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. Directly north of Israel is Turkey. You know, if you just took a line straight to the north, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna you're gonna bypass Lebanon and then go to Turkey. And Turkey is that region where all these countries
2: yes ultimately
0: originated from, right there in that region. Most people today seem to think Gog is Russia, and Russia does border the Georgia uh, thing with the Caucasus Mountains, but I don't know that it's Russia necessarily. Everything seems to be pointing to that Turkish-Armenian mountain range area, you know, so I'm not so sure about Russia. They could be involved, though, but they're just not named as one of the countries. Okay. He says, And that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And notice he calls them my people. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land that the heathen, the Gentiles, may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before their eyes. Which means then that when this coalition army comes against Israel and they come in the land to cover it and they're going to take everything, God's going to do something so monumental to stop it and protect his people that the entire world is going to go, he's the God of Israel. Yeah, They will know it as a people mm-hmm. and the world will know it And realize, uh uh-oh, we better not mess with them. Yeah. It's going to be something. So what is it that he does? Well, we're out of time. Uh, (laughs) no. (laughs) So we're going to have to get into that part next week. So this will be a part two. So please tune in for the next episode. That'll be uh, episode 33. And we'll cover part two of Gog and Magog.
2: Thank you guys so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, and share. And like I said, we want you guys to engage in the comment section. So please leave down below something you've learned or something that caught your eye that you're interested in, and we can go ahead and reply back to you guys. As always, have a wonderful week. Love y'all, and thanks for tuning
0: in. Thank you so much, and thank you, Zena.
2: Of course.
0: You guys take care. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now.
1: Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's
0: right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global
1: censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.